0: well you asked for it and you've got it the first Blair and Barker podcast of 2023 Mr. Barker and myself took some time off over the holiday season we hope you're doing well we trust you've all had a good holiday season we certainly hope that all of you have a great 2023 and Kevin while we were away uh, and I told Ross Atkins not to make a trade when I was in Europe I said if you're going to get something done get it done before I go away and of course Ross didn't do what I wanted him to do the Jays ended up making a trade on December 24th Dalton Varsho a left-hand hitting outfielder superior defensive outfielder joining the Blue Jays in return for Lourdes Goriel Jr. and Gabrielle Moreno. And anytime an organization trades its quote unquote top prospect away, Kevin, you are going to get pretty strong reactions from the fan base because we love prospects. And most of us would rather win a World Series, but there are there are certain there's certain groups of people out there who who really get into their get into their prospect porn if I can call it that. And and Gabriel Moreno's a guy who has been front and center amongst Blue Jays prospects for a long time. Um catcher of the future, called that. You know, I look at this deal, Kev, and and I think it's pretty simple. I ask myself, who Makes the Blue Jays better in 2023. Dalton Varsho playing every day, providing a left-handed bat in the middle of the order, or Gabriel Moreno being the number three catcher or number two catcher on days that Alejandro Kirk DHs. And and my initial reaction to this deal was I'm going to leave aside Lourdes Gurriel Jr. first. To me, it's about Moreno and 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 Varsho. I just think Dalton Varsho helps this team more in a faster way than Moreno does. And the other thing is, if you look at the Jays organization, I mean, one thing they've had difficulty developing, Kevin, you know, is is a left-handed hitter, and they got this guy for a long time now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well. This, for me, had to be done. We talked about this to her blue in the face. We've been talking about this since the second half started of last season about how they needed left-handed power. Now, is he a middle-of-the-order bat? Time will tell because of the adjustments he he needs to make against left-handed hitters and, you know, the connection of the lower half and the upper half. He's talked about that, and, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more throughout the times that we're getting to see him play. But this just makes sense, right? You know, could you win a World Series without – Moreno on your team? Absolutely. Could you win a World Series without a power-hitting lefty who could play a corner on your team this year? For me, in my mind, absolutely not. This had to be done. Like, there's there's some things that you have choices that you could do, right? This is just one of those sort of pieces that ah, I can do it, I can take it or leave it. They had to do this, right? You you mentioned you could lead off the Lourdes thing. Lordis to me, is a big deal. You look at Lourdes, he's 29 years old. They're not going to pay him any more money. He hit five homers last year. He went from 2021, 20, Jeff, a hitting 21 homers to five homers last year. You're losing Teoscar. We mentioned this going into the offseason, that that's the one guy they'd probably trade, right? Two sides. One side thinks very highly of themselves. The other side is, yeah, you can take him or leave it, and it was a good time to trade him. That was Teoscar, and that's exactly what they did. This just – Right? Makes a lot of sense. Varsho is 26 years old. He's under control for the next three years. He can play four different positions. He's sounds like an elite outfielder, which is a big deal. Now, left field will be an adjustment for him. He's not played that a lot. That'll be an adjustment, communication factor, route running, jumps, all the things that go into. American League East, how's he going to handle that? But he's an athlete. Right? And he has tremendous power to the pull side. So, you know, it's, for me, this makes tons of sense. And the Moreno thing, if you're the Diamondbacks, this is a plus for you. You're getting a young, athletic guy who is a a guy that, you know, needs some work to figure out who he is as a hitter. And the Blue Jays right now just don't have time to develop that. They just don't have no room for Gabriel Moreno right now when they're trying to win a World Series, Jeff.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I mean, first of all, Dalton Varsho has caught. And, and I would suggest to people there is a chance – that Dalton Varsho catches more games for the Blue Jays this year than Gabriel no Moreno question. would have caught for the Blue Jays. No this year. question. So we'll we'll put that out there. We'll put that out there right away. You know, and that's especially the case if the Jays add another left-handed batter and add another outfielder. I mean, there are a lot of ways. Uh, there there are a lot of things that can still happen in this off season, even though I think most of the heavy lifting has been done for the Blue Jays. And I didn't mean to, like, just shove Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to the side. But I think what I was saying with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is I don't think he had a long-term... I don't think he had a place with this team long-term anymore. And that's why if I had to give up him in a package in order to get a a, a left-handed bat, I was more than willing to do it. And And let's be clear. Everything Ross Atkins and the Blue Jays told us about Gabriel Moreno since the end of the season what were they talking about they're talking about well you know we might like to see him get some time in the outfield we might like to see him get some time in the infield he's played the outfield we've seen him take balls there he's played he's played the infield as well it was pretty clear that for gabriel moreno to make the blue jays this year if he made it he was going to be a utility player he was not going to come in you know unless danny jansen or alejandro kirk was traded he was not going to come in and be the everyday guy and you know I know there's there there was talk with a lot of teams about Danny Jansen, but I think once Teoscar Hernandez was traded, I think the Jays had to step back a bit and say, "Okay. We can't deplete our our known offense much more," right? Losing whatever you may think about Teoscar, he was an important offensive player. I think they looked at their catching situation. If Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen give you what you got last year, that's one of the best catching tandems in baseball at that position you are going to get more out of those two guys offensively than 95% of the teams in baseball are so you're going to get a lot of offense out of those two guys if they repeat what they did what they did last year so i just think to me the deal to me the deal made sense it was a baseball deal we don't often see those now it was a baseball deal and yeah four years down the road gabriel moreno may be an all-star catcher and we may be looking back at this trade a little differently, but we need to look at it in terms of 2023. And does this put the Jays closer to where they need to be? Does it address the concerns we had with defense, with diversifying the offense? And, I, uh, and yeah, there's going to be a little element of payroll control here because they're up against collect, the, 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 the competitive balance tax. That's, that's just a fact of life. And it's going to be even more of an issue, Kev, as you well know, if they decide they have to pay Bo and Vladdy long term Mm -hmm. at some point, having a guy like Dalton Varsho as your everyday outfielder making maybe four or five million dollars a year for the next two years,
1: eh, there's a value to that as well. There, there is, and, and let's be honest. The, the organization as a whole is in a hurry-up mode. You just mentioned it. You know, is Bo and Vladdy both getting paid? Probably not. Something's going to happen there. George Springer's not getting any younger. Uh, you, you know, the, the run producer that they have at the bottom of their order, they don't have any, right? If you got a guy you can bring in here, this guy who can get the foot down and get it singing 25-plus times and is who is left-handed and puts a little bit more pressure. Me and you both talk to opposing managers, how easy it is for them to line it up. There's no thinking. you got a hard throw and righty down. There. You put him up, you get him loose, you bring him mm-hmm. in the game. Now, all of a sudden, you're thinking about it because you look at Varsho's numbers. He struggles against lefties, right? So that's a thing that's going to make the other manager think about what he has to do later in games, and it just makes your team better. It, it, it'll allow you and help you go a little bit deeper where you ultimately want to go. This, for me, is a no-brainer, right? It's the Moreno thing. This is what the Diamond Bats had to do, and if you're Moreno, Jeff, let's be honest. You get to go play every day. Like you would not, you would not get to do that here as a Blue Jays. So if you're Moreno, you're, you're just licking your chops. You can't wait to go to the Diamondbacks because you get to play at the big league level. You may not have got to do that here with the Blue Jays. So coming from the player side, it's a great thing. Coming from the organization on both sides, it's a great thing. I just think this is what they had to do. Now, are they done? Not for me. Right? We're, we're going to have this conversation. They still need bullpen arms, and they need legit ones. They need some no-brainers. They don't have them. John Snyder, for me, is still going to have to match up. He's thinking three innings ahead. Poor little Petey's going to stand over and pull out the rest of his hair that he actually still has. It's – they're, they're still not finished, but for me, they're heading the right direction. And this is what it gets back to you mentioned that payroll thing, right? When you start getting guys in their late 20s and their deals are about to be up, and you see the drop in getting it down and getting it singing and creating some backspin, like, Lord, as you move on from it, and you bring in a younger guy who's in his prime who, you know, I mentioned the, we've talked about this Donnie Mattingly thing. That's a big deal right? Mm. These young guys now who come in and can go up to a guy who's left-handed and say, how do you do it? Right. How do you use the whole field? How do you somewhat sometimes use the whole field? So I just think it's, it makes their team better and, and you know, it's, it's going to make the, the opposing manager have to think a little bit ahead, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing.
0: No. And uh, we'll be joined by the way, by, uh, by Dalton Varsho uh, in, in, in a few minutes. And, uh, and, and we'll we'll talk to him about uh, we'll ask him about the impact Don Mattingly might have. I mean, and if I'm a if I if I'm a if I'm a young lefty hitter, uh, is there a better lefty hitter <laughs> to, to who, whose brain I want to tap into than Don Mattingly? I, I I think not. So we'll we'll talk to Dalton about that and uh, and and get his take on on joining the Blue Jays and uh, as we said on, uh, on 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 Don Mattingly, who is part of the uh, part of the Jays coaching staff so this is where we are right now as we wait for Dalton Varsho to join us the Jays have their major acquisitions this year they've added Chris Bassett uh they've added uh Eric Swanson a uh reliever they who came over in the uh Teoscar Hernandez deal and now they've added Dalton Varsho and as we said the offseason isn't complete yet I think Kevin this is most of the heavy lifting done in terms of the lineup I think there's still a few things they need to do and that may be accomplished through you know short contract offers to free agents uh, invitations to spring training there, there there are still a few things the Jay's the Jays need to do before we before we roll into N- Dunedin and gosh that's what that's <sighs> February 12th guys are going to start reporting is it's it's not that it's not that far away give me it right now and we'll talk about this after Dalton Varsha. we'll talk about we'd like what we'd like to see this team do give me a letter grade right now the Jays offseason so far
1: Uh, uh, boy put me right on the spot it's early in the year aren't you You say B, B plus yeah, I was going to say I was gonna say B-minus just because I thought they'd do more when it comes to solidifying the back end of of the game. Like, you know, they need more, right? It's it's the Jimmy Garcias and the Jordan Monos and the Eric Swansons who didn't even pitch for Seattle against the Blue Jays when the games mattered the most. Like, do you trust these guys? Do you trust John Snyder enough? I do. I think he's a really good manager. But it's just not fair to him to – you look at the team that just won it, right? Dusty Baker's got no brainers. You get a guy up, it's not thinking – three innings ahead it's just that dude's got nasty stuff he can get left Mm. he's right i don't care where they're at in the lineup it's his inning he's pitching do the blue jays have that so that's why i'm saying minus instead of a a legit b but i think they're a playoff team right now are they a world series are are they a world series team not in my mind i mean they they are a good team uh they're going to give a bunch of teams a, a a big headache but this is the thing right is is your goal to be just a playoff team and make a decent run, or do you think right now the team that you have, if they ended to the day, Jeff, and they did no more, are you picking them to go deep in the playoffs? I'm not. I mean, I'm not picking yet. them to go to the playoffs, but that that's the thing. So that's for me why the B minus is there. I think their lineup's a little bit longer. I think they're a little bit harder to match up against. Make uh, make. Managers who, quite frankly, aren't great at managing have to think about who they want to bring in the game because you got a guy that can squish the bug and get some backspin and, and hit a home run who's left-handed. That's a great thing. Uh, the rotation's a little bit better. It's a little bit longer. This puts Yusei Kikuchi maybe in the bullpen, so that would make the bullpen a little bit longer. But that's why I gave minus. B-. I just think mm. it's not exactly right when it comes to the back end of the game, and, and they need more for me. Well, a lot has
0: happened since we last spoke to you, in addition to the Blue Jays' moves. We've seen Carlos Correa. <laughs> How would you describe what happened to Carlos Correa? We've seen him go from uh, being on the verge of a news conference at the San Francisco Giants to being on the verge of a news conference with the New York Mets, and medical issues have, have clouded that, clouded that particular contractual situation. I don't think anybody expects Carlos Correa to end up any place other than other than with the Mets ultimately. And I, I think a move that happened just before, as we were preparing this podcast, the Boston Red Sox signing Raphael Devers to a contract that looks suspiciously like what you'd want if you were, if you were Vladimir Guerrero jr. From the Toronto Blue Jays. So we've got a lot to talk about. We will get to that in the second half of the show, but right now it gives me a lot of pleasure to uh, bring in Dalton Varshal. Dalton, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. Belated Happy New Year. We, we trust that, uh, that uh, the holiday season and the season has gone well for you. I'll, I'll just ask you straight out of the gate. Uh, were you surprised when you found out that you were being traded to the Blue Jays? And now that you've, you've I guess, been a Blue Jay for a while, um, how have your thoughts maybe changed or developed about joining the organization?
2: Yeah, I mean, right away I was kind of shocked. Um, I kind of knew that with uh, the GM calling, you, yeah, usually it's kind of something super important. So he called me and told me that I was getting traded to the Blue Jays. And right away, I mean, obviously you, you think about like all the friends and all the relationships you've made over the years, and especially it being my first team getting drafted by them. You you always expect that you're going to stay there for a while. But uh, getting traded now to Toronto, I mean – one, it helps my family of being a little bit closer to home, which has always been kind of one of my goals. And and two, it's it's a loaded team to be able to come and win right away and uh, possibly try to get a chance to go to the World Series. I mean, the three years that I was with the D-backs, we, we didn't have the chance of being able to make the playoffs. And uh, being able to be there with this team, I think we have a really good chance of doing that.
1: Dalton, I know you're very versatile. You, you play four different positions, but left field, you've only made 11 starts at the big league level. What what adjustment do you think you'll have to make by playing that position, if any?
2: Yeah, I think it's just obviously just time. you got to spend some time out there and, and being able to read a lot of baseballs coming off the bat and of having the certain angles that you your eyes are telling you to see. So it's going to be a little bit of adjustment. I mean, I know last year of going to right field, it was, it was kind of a big adjustment for me because I, I personally have only played right field a couple of times before that, and I was kind of my least comfortable position. And uh, But going to left, I, I used to play it in high school a little bit, a little bit in college, so I have a little bit of uh, time out there. But just getting out there and being with the guys of, with Kevin Kiermaier and George Springer and a couple of the other outfielders of having a good idea of how they play and um, just having a good repertoire of kind of hand signals, kind of kind of no communication things of just having some time out there with them and. I think it'll be a lot of fun.
1: I'm so intrigued to to talk to you about your hitting. I, you know, since 2021, the second half of of that season, you started hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and and. You know, I, I think the obvious question is, I, I was a young hitter, there you go through transitions of where you just find yourself. It, is, is that sort of what you have went through? Is that why you're starting to hit more home runs, you know, that second half of the season and into last season when you hit 27 home runs? Could you put your finger on one thing that says, this is why I can continue to hit a bunch of home runs and help the Blue Jays?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's anything about, like, the home runs. I think it's just about squaring up the baseball and – uh, I thought it was a little bit more about not missing my pitch before two strikes. Uh, Cause we kind of all go through those little slumps a little bit where all of a sudden you're, you're not hitting your pitch and then you get this two strike count. And now you're in the pitcher's court of kind of being a little bit down to him of kind of at his mercy. So I think that's what my uh, kind of adjustment was is obviously not being able to strike out as much, but also being able to put the ball in play when I needed to. And, you know, sometimes, you kind of get lucky of catching the ball underneath and it goes out of the ballpark. And obviously the more time you have in the big leagues, the more you get un- you understand of how guys are pitching you and you can start seeing some, um, some things that they're doing re- repetitively of how they're attacking you. So it's, it was a, it's obviously a big learning curve as, as a young player coming up in the big leagues and getting the time and understanding of kind of what, what teams are kind of attacking you with
1: yeah it's pretty cool now all of your twenty seven home runs as you well know up the middle to the pool side is that on purpose? Are you trying to do that
2: uh, uh no I mean obviously that that's kind of just the way it happens um I'm trying to get a little bit back to using my backside backside power a little bit more this next year and um obviously it's always a constant change of adjustments of with your swing and understanding how your body's moving and we all try to make these little adjustments here and there. And obviously during the season, you're just trying to survive and be able to get through it with being able to put up numbers and helping your team win. And last year the in the half, it was just like trying to trying to survive, help our, help our team win in any way possible. And I had to make a couple adjustments with getting my foot down early. And uh, But this year it's obviously trying to correlate your upper half and your lower half and syncing it together so that you can become a complete hitter like, a lot of the guys are on the Blue Jays. I mean, it's a lot of fun being able to watch watch what they've done and uh, being able to take and listen to a lot of those guys, Of uh, being able to talk and be around them. It's going to be interesting for me to kind of have that next step in my uh, career of understanding of kind of what the elite guys are doing.
0: Dalton, uh obviously, the uh, an important part of your game as well, and, and you touched on it is the defense. And I know when the Jays made this deal, one of the things they talked about was how they'd upgraded their outfield defense with yourself and and with Kevin, and of course with George, uh, probably in right field now. Um, what makes a good defender? I, what make I, I, I've often wondered because anytime we talk to a, a ball player, most of the time and understandably, we talk about hitting. But when you look at your numbers, your outs above average, you know the the defensive analytics. You score so highly in almost all of those all of those categories. Is is that something that comes naturally? Have you always have you always worked at it, or how, how would you explain that? Because to make that transition, you know, from, from catching into the outfield and into almost an everyday outfielder, it's sometimes you see guys go from catching to to infield or vice versa, but. I mean, that just seems to be such a difficult move.
2: Yeah, uh, it was kind of a move that they uh, tried to transition me to a little bit in 2019. So I had a little time out there at the end of the season when I was in double A there. And uh, I think it's just more of kind of preparing and having the right mindset of wanting to practice defense because a lot of kids and a lot of people nowadays, they just want to be able to hit homers and, and hit the ball and and just only hit. But there's also a second part of the game, which is defense, which now not a lot of people really pay attention to. And you look at all the really good defenders. I mean, you look at Nolan Arnado, he takes so many ground balls per day of just watching him on the field. And you're just like every play he makes, he makes it look really easy. And that's obviously my goal is I want to, I want to have every ball that I catch look really easy. So that I can help the pitchers and they, they respect it and they want me to play every day and be out there so that when a ball is hitting the gap, I can go run it down. And I think that's just kind of one of the true things of being a teammate is wanting to play both sides of the ball. And uh, I take a lot of I take a lot of uh, respect and I want to be able to do that for my pitchers to put them in the right position so they're not vulnerable on the mound if they, they give up a soft little fly ball that I can actually get to it.
0: Dalton, I'm interested also in the, some of the changes we're seeing in baseball this year. Some of the rules changes which seem to play into your strengths. You know, they were talking about the bigger bases and things of that nature and I know the Jays have talked about your ability in the base pads. They're, they plan on utilizing that as well. Are, are you interested in seeing what your game is going to look like this year as a result of these changes?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously the shift's the biggest one. Um, I think it kind of goes back to what Baseball was like for me, obviously, kind of growing up with uh, lots, kind of pretty much straight, true formation, and kind of how I thought the game was always played. And then when the shift kind of came about, it kind of changed a lot of things. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's just a couple more holes. I mean, obviously, we preach upon when we're younger of hitting the ball through the middle part of the field, and uh, if you do c- catch it out front, usually there's a, a hole between the first base and second base, and so. Obviously, that's kind of huge of being able to kind of get back to the old-school thoughts, which I've really never left me, and being able to use the middle part of the field. Because when you hit a ground ball up through the middle really hard, you kind of expect it to be a single, as it always was when you were a kid. And, um, so being able to see that shift change, it will be really interesting to see how how the alignment's going to really be. And um, I think it also makes it a lot more difficult for um, in middle infielders because they have to have a big – big wide range of being able to get to a lot of baseballs and with the guys that toronto has up the middle with bow and and wit it's it's pretty special of how much range that we're going to be able to have and so it'll be interesting to see how teams kind of change their defensive personnel
1: I I know every time you talk to a a baseball player who gets traded, they always say to look at the roster and, and, you know, they can't wait to pick this certain person's mind. And I know you picked up a roster and noticed that Don Mattingly is one of the coaches for the Toronto Blue Jays. Have you thought about when you get him in a room in a batting cage standing around a tease or a certain question you would ask him? Is there, you know, some interesting thing that you could you know, maybe ask him that, you know, something he would say would just click. Because, you know, Dalton, it's just those things, that different talk, that different conversation that you may have with a certain person just makes it click. Have you ever thought about that?
2: Yeah, obviously he, he's a left-handed hitter and uh, not really having many left-handed hitter coaches around. It's, it's nice to kind of have one in my career of being able to maybe ask a question of what he felt and what he did because – it's like he was a special hitter, and uh, a lot of people, I think, don't give him enough credit of how really great he was and being able to pick his brains. He's been around baseball for so long. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to have a dad who, who's who been around baseball for a while, and but it's it's hard because he's not on the field anymore. He's not seeing all the all the new things and how guys are getting worked, and being able to have a guy like that with having that much time in the big leagues, it's going to be a lot of fun to pick his brain and just have questions here and there of, even if they're just small little things of asking them, all right, positioning, what do you, what do you got on this pitcher? And where do you think the balls are going to land? And uh, it's, it's just uh, a lot of fun being able to have that guy on our team to be able to ask them whatever we need at that day. You
0: know, your dad had a, I think he played in the majors for nine years. He has been a hitting coach in some ways. There's a little similarities to, to, to Dante Bichette and Bo Bichette. And I'm just wondering what role has your dad played in your development as a player? And, you know you've got hitting coaches now your own hitting coaches with with teams and all that but do you still sort of you know every now and then pick up the phone and see what your dad is seeing in your game and and maybe try to tap into his experience
2: oh 100% i mean he's seen my swing evolve since i've been a little kid so there's really nobody uh around that knows my swing better than him and it's just it's just fun to be able to kind of have just like those little conversations. I mean, they're really never big adjustments. It's just always – of he always asks me two questions, which has kind of been my favorite thing is, one, did you see the ball? Two, did you get good pitches to hit? Because with those two things, it has nothing to do with mechanics. It all has to do with your eyes and being able to recognize. And um, So those are the two things that we always really talk about, and I think it's the kind of two special questions for me because – if you can't really see the ball or you're not picking it up, usually you're not going to really have a great at bat or you have to be lucky enough to really get a hit. And if you don't make good decisions, usually it's never going to work out for you. So if you can answer those two questions and you've seen both uh, it's, it's two really good questions to kind of ask anybody because if you can't do both of those things, usually it's not going to be successful
0: you looking forward to playing into some of these AL East ballparks and sort of matching up against guys like Aaron Judge and of course Raphael Devers and you know the Red Sox and the Yankees are two of the more real story traditional teams in baseball and they they do go at it with the Blue Jays are you looking forward to that?
2: Yeah I mean it's it's a great rivalry of being able to be a part of and usually there's a lot of energy and uh going about it and uh I know that Stepping into Dodger Stadium was pretty cool, but I'm pretty sure stepping into uh, New York or Boston is going to be as cool as, as that moment. So, um, But it, it'll be fun. I mean, both of those teams have had a lot of history, and um, it'll just be fun to be able to attack a different division. Thought
0: we're going to let you run. Really appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, hope the offseason continues to go well for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thanks, Don. I appreciate
0: it, guys. We've got to talk about Raphael Devers and the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox having, well, a, kind of a disconcerting off season for them. I actually like some of the moves that they've made around, around the fringes uh, of their team. But Kevin signing Raphael Devers to that 11-year, $331 million contract extension, uh, the, the, the contract that was signed yesterday first of all I think it it's it addresses the biggest issue facing the Red Sox this this off season. they didn't get a deal done with Xander Bogarts of course we already know they traded Mookie Betts in in a in a trade that is is going to go down as one of the worst trades in Red Sox history and one of the worst trades in baseball history as well I think Raphael Devers is unfortunately for the Blue Jays going to be a force in the AL East for the rest of his career. But I have to ask you, when you look at that deal and you look at Bo and Vladdy and you look at how the Jays have dealt with them in their arbitration years, two questions for you. One, do you think it, do you think we have a clear idea now of how much a multi-year contract for Bo and Vladdy what it looks like or do you think maybe the Jays are sitting there saying you know Boston kind of they kind of ragged the puck here a bit they carried this into the last year uh before free agency maybe we'll do the same thing with Bo and Vladi in other words maybe we'll let this thing play out for another couple of years by then we should have a better read on on what these two guys are about like you made an interesting point off air to me what if Vladdy has another year this year like he had last year and Bo leads the American league in hitting? In number of hits. Like I think if you're the blue jays, you, you may have a little bit of runway here. Do you agree with me?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe there's a lot to unpack there. Just, just look at the Devers thing. You, you, you got to figure if you're Devers and you're looking at your organization, you're thinking about your GM's getting lambasted all season for the some of the things that he's doing. The owner just got booed at a hockey game. It's a perfect <laughs> storm, right? You, you're, you're free agent. You're a free agent at the end of the season. You know, going into the off season's perfect storm. This is something that the Red Sox had to do. And, and oh, by the way, Devers is uh, probably a top. Ten best player in all the baseball. Easily. So, yep. so that yeah, absolutely. So that helps too. I I think this gives you a number somewhere in the ballpark of what Flatty would be thinking, because I know if I was Vladdy, Vladdy'd be 24 in March. Uh, he'd be a free agent in 2026. I'm thinking about it. You know, if I'm rolling into that season before that, and I'm thinking if I'm starting with something, I'm telling my agent's going to start with 11 and 331. That's what it's going to start. And obviously, you know, some things have to happen. He stays healthy. He continues to get it down and get it singing. The, the body type is still there. You know, he's still playing some really, really good first base and the, and the Blue Jays are doing their thing. I I'm That's where it's going to start. The, the boat. Contract Jeff, I don't know about you, but I have no idea where that's going to start. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, let's be honest, it just seems like the relationship between the Blue Jays and Bo Bichette. I don't know about you, Jeff. I just don't think it's real good. So, how do you sit back and think about what the con what his contract would even start? Like, would you even have a number of years that you would give Bo well, Bichette? Like, I don't, I just don't that's... know how you would even attack his, his contract.
0: That's that's a great point because look at the contracts that shortstops are signing. No question. Yeah, seriously. If you're if you're Bo Bichette, you might have a sense of what your value is. But if you're the Blue Jays, I mean, how do you how do you factor in his value weight against Vladdy Junior's value? Keeping in mind that shortstops are just getting, I mean, the, the deals they're getting now are are outrageous. I, I it's, I'm with you. I asked somebody at the organization at the end of the year about, about Bo and Vladdy, because I'm like you. I've always kind of thought there've been a little, you know, there've been some strains, right? Bo had the blue, uh, Bo uh, forced the Blue Jays to renew him. Now, I mean, that's, you know, it doesn't, it, that's a sign it's not necessarily I, I don't get as carried away with it as some people do to me it's not that dramatic to me it's basically both saying hey i'm worth more than you're giving me alec Manoa did it as well by the way saying hey i'm we're worth more than you're giving us we're not going to agree to that uh, we're not going to you know when we sit down and talk seriously about a contract we want you to understand that we we're not taking any cut rate here we you know, when we sit down to negotiate, we want you to understand that we want we want a lot of money that we we value, we value our skills. Um, but I asked someone about that, and 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 I I had I said the same thing. I said I just get the sense that there are more strains with Bo than Vladdy. And the person who uh, whose opinion I really trust in the organization said, "I think you're looking at it wrong." Said, "I think." it's more complicated to get a deal done with Bo than it is with Vladdy because of the position and because of the fact that contracts like, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Bogarts, I mean, a lot of the, the shortstop contracts have just really mm-hmm. exploded and and really had a major impact on that market. So I think that's the word I'm going to use. I'm going to say that the relationship between Bo and the Blue Jays is a little more complicated than the relationship between Vladdy and the Blue Jays. But Kevin, one of the things people need to keep in mind here too is neither of these guys need the money. They come from families with money because their dads were ball players. So this isn't a situation where, you know, the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to under undercut somebody because the guy needs money to feed his family or take care of his parents, which you know, in a couple of cases with the Braves, Ozzy Albie's—they needed that. That—that was—that was life-changing money. These guys have kind of grown up with life-changing money, so I think maybe we need to start saying the relationship between the Jays and Bo is more complicated than the relationship between the Jays and Vladdy.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a really good way to say it. I, I just wonder, you, I think when you start talking about winning World Series, cause this is what it's about for this organization now. This is what they're doing, making all these moves, giving away top prospects. They're trying to win a World Series now. And I just wonder if you push them in a the corner, Ross and Mark, and really ask which which one could they do without to win a World Series? If they traded Bo for whoever, whatever, and didn't pay him, and, and you know his relationship with the organization wasn't great, and they had to do without Bo, could they – think they could still win a World Series with Vladdy in the lineup. Because I've got to be honest with you, Jeff. Whenever you're talking about what's the Blue Jays need, the very first thing that pops in my mouth is not Bo. It's Vladdy having being a top three MVP candidate. That's mm-hmm. the very first thing that pops in my mind. Obviously, the Jose Barrios and, you know, some dudes got to have some bounce back seasons. Obviously, Bo's got to be good defensively and get some big hits and get on base and all those things. But it starts with Vladdy. And I just wonder about that. And is that what the the organization's more thinking about is they're in win mode, right? So I just... Look, I, I don't look at it so much, and that's a good point you made about the the Braves and how they're going about their organization. But if you're an individual player like Bo or Vladimir Guerrero, you're not thinking about that. I see all my peers getting tons of money. Why in the heck am I not doing that? I'm just as good a player as they are or better. Why am I not getting it? And I think that's more, I know if I were either one of those guys, I'd be thinking that. I wouldn't th- be thinking about because my dad's rich or, you know, my dad's Hall of Famer. I wouldn't be thinking those things. I'd be thinking that I should be getting paid like my peers and that relationship's not there. But it's intriguing, right? It's it's just funny how everything sort of comes back around to who do you pay, who do you trade, who do you not need. That's a, Those are three big questions for me, the organization, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure when they have to answer them. That's the question, right? When do you have to answer them to be that's great, that's to be to well, yes. whoever you want to be as an organization? So it's going to be intriguing the next couple of years to to see how it all unfolds.
0: And, and I guess if, if you know if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're looking at the situation, the the one thing I would say is it's pretty clear that ownership is committed to spending money in this payroll. That if it can get done, they will get it done with these two with these two guys. But I've gone from thinking, you know, that you got to get a deal done with one of these two guys this off season, to looking at what the Red Sox are doing, and thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't need to sign that big eleven year them to that big ten year deal yet. Maybe I can give them a deal that covers the rest of their arb years, you know, or maybe I go year to year with them because you know that at the end of the day, especially in the case of Vladdy, because of a service time, Vladdy is probably, Vladdy's not going to be underpaid dramatically in arbitration. He's just not. Bo is the guy that's kind of lagging a bit because of service time, which, you know, that's not entirely his doing. It's not entirely the, the Blue Jays doing. It's just kind of the way, kind of the way things have developed. Do you like it, Because we talked about this earlier in the year with the Red Sox and, I thought the Red Sox had to sign Rafael Devers. Xander Bogarts would have been great, but but Kev, I think they absolutely had to sign Rafael Devers.
1: Yeah, again, this is this is a, a rich guy getting booed at a hockey game. That that's, that for me, and the way the off seasons went, and who they've traded and Sean Henry, yeah, absolutely, who they haven't you know tried to bring in and make their team better, and you know I just for me I, this is sort of an organization looking at kind of big picture here thinking that you know you're seeing the Yankees being the Yankees right now with who they've added the Blue Jays have turned the corner the Orioles are getting better the Rays are always the Rays where do they rank if they even made a couple of moves right they'd still be fighting mm-hmm. for fourth and fifth mm-hmm. place in the American League East so i just it's very hard in a market like this to to take a step back and not spend the money that all the fans and every Piece of media thinks that you should be spending and uh, 11 years 331. Jeff, do you really think it's going to work out? Absolutely not. Did do I think that they they had to do this? Yeah, he's a generational player, like they don't come, they don't grow on trees. For me, it's like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, his swing don't grow on trees, like that's that's a generational thing. The sooner or later, they're going to put up or shut up the Blue Jays are when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But who knows what the Red Sox are doing? I, You know, they're, they're trying to adopt a little bit of what the Rays are doing in the giant market of the Red Sox. How do you mix the two together and still be competitive? And will this 11 for 331 give them a little breathing room to do it? Mm, only time will tell.
0: All right, we talked a little bit about the Blue Jays in the first part of the show, and I want to go back and revisit that and maybe take a deeper dive into it. I think we, Kevin, we both agree that probably the addition of Dalton Varsho, that is the major addition to the lineup we're going to see the Blue Jays make. Uh, I I think they probably would like to add another left-handed bat. I think they'd probably like to add somebody who could play Uh, another corner you know play play a corner outfield position i think now we're looking at filling in the edges looking at maybe adding some depth guys heck maybe even maybe even bringing a veteran catcher into into spring training just to give you a little bit of depth there i think we also agree though that the bullpen still needs work starting pitching i think signing chris bassett i think you've kind of done You've done what you can do. If you want to bring somebody in in a minor league uh, contract with an invitation to spring training who can contend for the fifth spot, you do that. Maybe Nate Pearson contends for whatever. I think the starting rotation is pretty much it, it's pretty much done.
1: You said Nate Pearson.
0: Yeah, I know I did. I threw that out there. <laughs> but I still, and, and I'll say this, I think Nate Pearson more likely than not ends up in the bullpen in some sort of swing role. The bullpen still needs work, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't, look, I... Can can you try and do what the, what the Orioles did? Find lightning in a bottle with some guys that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, teach them how to, you know, spin it more than they than they throw the heater. Uh, they elevate it more. This again, Jeff. You need more swing and miss because there's no shift anymore, right? That that's the whole thing here. Guys are going to be trying to shorten up, hit the ball the other way. They're going to try to hit it where they ain't. Now, all of a sudden, even right-handed hitters, it, it's the the defenses are going to be a little bit more straight up. You're going to be need a little bit more swing and miss. I I just don't know where it comes from. this is I don't think something that they can do. now. This might be something that you see what you're doing at the trade deadline, and this is when you're making your move and you're trying to make your big push down the stretch, and that's when you may have to maneuver some pieces around and bring some people up, and maybe you find lightning in a bottle at one of your minor league arms. You can call them up. But, again, it gets back to that. I I just – Before you make it to the World Series, Jeff, you got to figure out how to beat the Astros. The Astros in the American League just like you are. And can you match up, muscle up against that team? Right now you can say no. That's the whole thing is if if it's going – even Seattle, Jeff, look at the arms that Seattle has. Like the power plays. Power gets you to have to cheat a little bit to get the the barrel out in front and think about making contact, and that's – What it does, and do the Blue Jays have enough of that? No, they had Adams subtract and trying to trick people, and. Well, I I I will say this. I think look, you know,
0: seven days ago, or I guess about a week ago, the Jays signed a guy, Julian Fernandez, uh, a reliever who hard throwing reliever with Colorado, who's kind of fallen fallen by the wayside a bit. To me, that is a sign that they're they're. I don't know if they're going to do exactly what the Orioles did. I don't know if they had they have to, but I do get the sense we're going to see more of those acquisitions. We're going to see more guys. You know, you're going to look at the at the the acquisition. You're just going to kind of shrug and say, okay, you know, whatever. I think the Jays are looking at that. I, I and I, I expect to see. You know, I, I keep throwing Zach Britton's name out. I don't know about Zach Britton, but I think you're going to see them bring in a few more guys with a little bit of velo. And I also got to say this. I. I'm not certain that Ross Atkins is done dealing yet. I look at Santiago Espinal, and I look at some of the teams that are looking for middle infielders, and I still, in the back of my mind, can see a path forward where maybe somebody like Addison Barger has a good spring. You've got Calvin Biggio maybe the Jays at some point take a step back and go, you know what? We have enough offensively. We have enough coverage defensively. Maybe they look at trading Santiago Espinal to a team like the Chicago White Sox for, you know, a Liam Hendricks. And that's just the name that's out there. I think that's the the next move to watch. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm not even entirely certain I want to trade Santiago Espinal, mm-hmm. but, I think it's got to be on the table, Kevin. If you can improve the bullpen, it's got to be on the table, doesn't it? And, again, this is for – I'm not saying a shot. This has got to be for a guy who's going to come in and be your closer. You're not going to trade him for an Eric Swanson, I, I don't think. But I'm going to kind of keep an eye on that situation because I, I think there may be something there may be something brewing there.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Santi's, uh, you know, his, his value is probably never going to be higher, you know, coming off an all-star and, and – Having the season that he had last year and I had a, some tail off of the season just because of the, the rigors of an entire season. It's not the easiest thing to go through and, and the, what's between the years and trying to, you know, have the equality at bat every single time from the all-star break on. It's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, it's about winning the World Series. It's not about, you know, keeping feelings where they should be. It's, it's a it's a I just mm-hmm. wonder if, say, Bo Bichette was to go down. Who's playing shortstop? matt Chapman ain't playing short stuff so that's my only i'm with no, you that's... sometimes you got to do things you got to do to win a World Series but jeff let me ask you a question in a playoff game right now who's pitching in the seventh inning for the Blue Jays they're winning they're winning one nothing who's pitching the seventh inning I mean, I'd like it to be Jordan Romano
0: and have somebody else come out in the ninth inning, but I can't give that answer, can I?
1: No, you cannot. That's the thing here is until they actually solidify the seventh inning. Uh, Jimmy Garcia, look, I I could take it or leave it, but I like it because he's been there and done it for. He can add and subtract. You know, he he can get lefties and righties out, and when he's locating the heater and it's up and it's got the extra gear like it had at the end of the season when he had the little break, it's okay, right? I'm okay with that. And he's pitched against some big-time guys and some big-time spot, so I'm okay with that. Jordan Romano, you got to be careful. The velocity's there. doesn't abuse the slider. Yeah, I guess I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But right now, Jeff, who's pitching the seventh inning? And until they get that guy, how do you take the Blue Jays serious? That's what they need. When you're going up against the big, big time teams, which is what you're trying to do, that's what you have to have. You got to give these guys no-brainers. The, John Snyder is not always going to make the right move. If he does, bringing the guy in doesn't guarantee that he's always going to throw the sinker where the sinker has to go. Right.
0: Right. But I think you're almost you're almost at the point now. If there isn't a deal on the table for a for a reliever right now, you're almost at the point now where you go into spring training. You see what Nate Pearson gives you. You see what Zach Pop gives you. Uh, there's some other, you know, there's some internal candidates fr- from the minor league system. It, it's it's entirely possible that the Blue Jays come out of spring training with three or four new arms in the bullpen and two or three guys who were there last year that, that, that aren't part of that, aren't necessarily part of that, that mix anymore. But, um, yeah, it, it's right now, I think you're right. I don't think the Jays have enough no-brainers at the back end of the bullpen. Maybe. They discover some of them in spring training. But I still... I've thought this all along that there is still a deal to be made to address the bullpen concerns of this team. I I think the lineup's pretty much set with the exception of, I don't know, maybe you bring in a a utility player, as I said, another outfielder to play a corner outfield, take some games, allow you to, to move dalton varsho behind the play i mean whatever just that that guy he's your fourth outfitter is important
1: is what you're saying he's important with kiermaier and george springer you know they're probably going to get hurt knock on wood they don't but they're probably gonna Your that fourth guy is going to be important to your point
0: so there you are it is our first podcast of 2023 um it was great to hear from dalton varsho i um the, the he gives the Jays something they haven't had. I am going to be – I'm going – I will tell you this. You know, the press box that at, at Roger Center, I believe, is still going to be in the outfield. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that outfield defense because if it can stay healthy, there ain't going to be too many balls falling between Dalton Varshall, Kevin Kiermaier, and George Springer. Um it's going to be fun to watch. I think. How about a playoff
1: a... series with those three guys in the outfield? Would you take that? We saw what happened in the Seattle series, oh, yes. the two games, when the ball fell in. What if Kiermaier had been playing center? That's an out. Yeah, I think that. I think that ball gets. I think that ball
0: gets caught. Probably. <laughs> if Kevin Kiermaier is in. Is in center field. Uh, so again, that's it. That's it for us. Uh, please rate and review our podcast wherever you get it. We we love five star reviews. Four and a half is okay, but give us a five-star review. It makes us feel good. It certainly makes Kevin feel good. And, um, yeah, we will uh, be back in a week's time with a podcast. Again, if something happens that we feel we need to do, an emergency podcast, we'll certainly do that. And uh, stay tuned to my Twitter handle, snjeffler. We'll let you know when we're back on the air. On SportsNet 590 Defense. So again, for all of us here at Claire and Barker, thanks for joining us. This week we'll again soon.